You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. It's episode 93. As usual, I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Uh, just to remind you that our episodes are now dropping every Wednesday. Um, yes, midweek. So we're we're mid-week. doing a midweek pick-me-up for you. Yeah, yeah. So we record a little bit earlier, gives a little bit more time for Jasmine to edit. Like we all, and we also thought, we saw a lot of other people dropping on Wednesdays and we thought we'd drop in with our friends and um, colleagues, yeah. if you will, like for Whiplash Wednesday. So. Yeah. We wanted to be in the mix, man. You know, nobody likes to be left behind. So, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get started, if you are watching on YouTube, thank you so much. And please be sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also very much appreciate it if you leave us a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. You know, um, I just quickly write this now because I just remembered something. Like, like, I don't know, Jasmine, if you had had a chance to check out our DMs on Instagram this week, like... No, I hadn't. I had taken my socials off my phone, so I have not oh, been okay. on any socials for a week. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What um, did I miss? What did I miss? Tell me. <laughs> last week, last week in our episode, I said to you something, and then uh, you didn't know it, and I didn't bother to inform you what it was. And, um, <laughs> I missed a British reference. Shut yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you missed a Brit- British reference, but somebody that we know messaged us to say that they loved that I knew it. Like, obviously I would know it. Um, so like, basically I said to you, John Cleese, you know, from 40 Towers and you said, what's that? And um, I mean, of all the things, like you said that instead of Monty Python. Like, and, um, but yeah, anyway, so um, Cookie from um, the Just Little podcast yeah, messaged, yeah. messaged us to say like, he couldn't believe that, you know, that I mentioned 40 Towers. <laughs> Uh, and just like so yeah so it was a it was a one season show i'm just checking actually i can't remember how many episodes it was it was a one season show it came out in 1975 uh 12 episodes it was it was only 12 episodes but it's like so famous uh-huh. um so yeah it's like an incredibly like famous um <laughs> uh, show so um my, my apologies to all of our british listeners for like, me not getting that very not well not obscure but like very not in my wheelhouse british reference <coughs> my apologies it just made me think one day i might actually have to just put that on the on the list of things to look at one day one day down the road maybe maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a british month or something like that right, so, and uh, actually I, th- I think i've threatened to do that to you before like let's have a british month so um yeah. but no yeah, it's it is hilarious even i remember as a kid watching it so obviously i was born uh in 81 i would have probably from memory watched it around the end of the 80s but yeah um as things tend to do when before the age of uh netflix and amazon things mm-hmm. were constantly repeated on normal terrestrial television. oh yeah like, yeah so just... wait for that replay to come on tv or it was yeah, indicated yeah, yeah. like in the middle of the day oh do you know what's really annoying if you'd miss an episode and you didn't record it on video there's yep. no way of watching it unless they released it and if they never released it on tape then that was it um there was this TV show actually on BBC One called Crime Traveller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had one. Um, they had one season and it got cancelled. And I watched every episode except for the final episode of season one. No. And we and we were we were out. And um, I I, I was a kid. I was definitely like somewhere between ten and fifteen. I can't remember. And um, and we were out. I think we were around my grandma's or something. And 
like I literally was like, can we can we put it on? And I don't know why, but we didn't put it on. And we never watched it. And you know, I've never seen it. And I'm sure I could find it now in the age of technology. But yeah. like, but now I don't really care. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's gonna uh, suck though. You watch a whole series and then you miss the final episode. I know, I know, but back, and like back then, obviously they were never repeated. Normally. Yeah, yeah. They were rarely ever, <laughs> or, or if they were, they'd be repeated like four or five years later. You know, yeah. and you just don't care. So, yeah. Or or they're repeated in the dead of night when they're trying to fill time in the evenings. So. Yeah, at three a.m. That three a.m. time slot. Which I was definitely asleep somewhere between ten and fifteen. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, so move on. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to carry on with our viewing. Um, sort of marathon Clearly. that we're doing That's the it. franchise uh we are reviewing the second harry potter movie in our run-up to our 100th episode and um we'll jump into that uh in the second mm-hmm. part of the show so but before we do we got we some news to, this week we this got time some, we got some news well no we had a little bit of news we had a trailer and oh we did do the trailer yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 the thor trailer looks so good but anyway we covered that last week so go listen to our thoughts last week um, as I was prepping for this week's episode, I saw a piece of news that excited me. So some Westworld news. So there's been three seasons of Westworld already. The last season came out over two years ago. They said it was delayed due to COVID, but mm-hmm. I still think the gap between season two and three was also pretty big. So I know that Westworld is a pretty expensive and... Undertaking. Um, it's an expensive undertaking, but I know because it's mainly a CGI field. I mean, I know they have like actors in there, but there's a lot of CGI and, mm-hmm. and big sets and things like that. So I think it does take a lot of work to undertake that show. Anyway, so there's some news on James Marsden, who played Teddy Floyd in seasons one and two. And he was killed off during um, towards the end of season two. However, spoiler, his character... by the way, folks, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, we spoil crap on the show. Yeah. I mean, we're going to spoil Harry Potter, just so you know. We're gonna yeah, spoil... but Mark said I can't spoil the movie that I watched this weekend or this yeah, past well, weekend. Well, no, you can talk about it. Just don't like ruin it. Don't outright ruin it. Like, and um, anyway, so Teddy Floyd is returning for season four. So it was announced at the ATX TV festival on the closing night event. So I don't know. I don't think there was much more than that. However, James Marsden just walked out on stage. So I imagine nice. that probably got a bit of an applause. So I have been to uh, ATX Fest before. It is a lot of fun. That was the first time I'd ever seen Jared Padalecki in person. He has where, where, where is ATX? Austin. Austin, okay. Texas. How far is that from you? Uh, it's about three hours from me. Did you drive it? Of course. Okay. I just want to. Yeah. No, we drive everywhere in Texas. We're an oil and oh. gas state. That's what we do. No, I mean, you know, <laughs> like I, I probably would, I would drive three hours. Like, I mean, like, I've probably driven more than that, five or six hours, but I don't think I've driven much more than six hours. Yeah. I mean, most, most of the big cities are all within about four to five hours of each other. Now, if you go to some of the smaller places or like West Texas, that takes that takes some time. Um, okay, so I watched the trailer for season four. It looks really good. It was, um, they had some music playing over it. So, which was always done to try and hide stuff, you know, you don't get the dialogue um however so season four will premiere on hbo on the 26th of june so not too far away at 9 p.m east ET. oh that's really close Uh, yeah 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 it'll be available on hbo max um so yeah it's not too far away so i'm pretty pretty excited i don't know when that comes over over here not normally not that far yeah it's not it's not like the old days so where do you watch hbo content is it on sky normally sky yeah or 
Yeah, normally Sky. Sometimes Amazon. Oh, okay. So, um, but not Netflix. I don't think there's any HBO stuff on Netflix from memory. You watch a lot of the CW stuff on Netflix. Uh, can't think there's something there. Yeah, probably. Or Sky. No, Sky. That seems to be on Sky. Okay. So my parents have Virgin. I tend to use theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or like when I'm around their house and stuff like that. But um, Or sometimes I pay for something called Sky Now, which is does, it's just a... Um, uh, it's like Netflix, you can cancel it anytime, like monthly. Mm, yeah. So sometimes I just pay for it, watch what I want to watch, cancel it off again or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. Um, it's only because I pink, I pay for Disney, Amazon, and Netflix. So I don't really want to pay for Sky now as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, Sky as well. We had that whole streaming conversation yeah, last, yeah, week. last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But sometimes I pay for that. But yeah, so I mean, I don't actually know, but I assume Westworld's probably Sky. Like, so okay. I, may have, I may just wait till it's finished, pay for Sky now for a month, watch and it. then binge it. Yeah. 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 So I, to be honest with you, I, I, um, so what happened with Westworld was obviously the first two seasons were set in the park. Um, Season three was actually set out in the main, in the real world, had Jason Aaron in, which is brilliant. I love Jason Aaron. Um, I think season four is going to be set in and around New York. Don't know too much more than that, but mm-hmm. I'm excited to see its return. So cool. That's it. You've not watched Westworld, have you? Um, I have seen some episodes, but I yeah. am by no means attached to it or caught yeah. up or anything. <laughs> I- the thing is, I wouldn't say like I'm attached to it as in if it didn't come back, I wouldn't necessarily be that bothered. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain shows that you're like, oh, I can't believe that's cancelled now, gutted. I wouldn't be overly bothered about that. But when it's on, it is really good show to watch. It intrigues me. Yeah. So, yeah I yeah. like it. And it's very, it's very visual. Like the, and, and to be honest, it's got a really strong cast. Like Tandy Newton is brilliant. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love Jeffrey Wright. Cast. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. I was, yeah, I was trying to remember his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was really good in it as well. Um, I don't want to say too much because in case anybody hasn't watched it, if you haven't watched it, I'd recommend going back to watch it. So. All right. So uh, we also got some, another remake surprise coming down the pipeline. Um, arachnophobia. Yeah, the movie about the spiders that take over a town. Um, <laughs> come, it's coming back. So it's going to be from writer-director Christopher Landon. Uh, James Wan is actually on as a producer since he has so much free time after him and Vin Diesel had the fallout over Fast 10. Uh, Frank Marshall, <laughs> who directed the original back in 1990. Some of you people that we podcast with weren't even born in 1990. That is <laughs> insane to me. Um so Frank Marshall is going to be coming back to executive produce. Like, why, why do we need a spider film remake? I, I have no idea. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I, mean, I was going to say on the list of unnecessary remakes, I think arachnophobia yeah. is there. I do remember hiring this video from the video shop. How cool was that? Like going home. Hiring the video stuff. from the video shop. Yeah, the VHS cassette. You hire remote. it instead of renting it. Yeah, yeah, renting it, you know, renting it, whatever. Like, 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 higher, higher rent, sorry. I am always fascinated uh, with British, British, uh, like your... Yeah, hi, yeah hi, hired. hired it. You yeah, hire it instead of renting it. What? It's so the like same. If, you, if you were renting an apartment, you would be higher an apartment? How does that work? No, you wouldn't have to, like, you would say renting an apartment, but yeah. You hire, hired, hired. Yeah, you're questioning my, my speech. <laughs> hi, hi, definitely hired the tape. Yeah, hired. Interesting. I, yeah, no, I'm thinking, would I, yeah, no, I'm definitely sure we'd say go and hire a, t- hire, hire a copy. 
Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right now. Like, anyway, I hired it, but okay. you can say rented too. Um, <laughs> so, like, anyway, I remember there was a, video, a little independent video store around the corner called VideoWare. Yeah, the cool selection of, like, modern and really, like, often dated tapes. Like, um, and I remember a little kids section, like, with Thundercats um, VHS and yeah. Thunderbirds and all the rest of it. Anyway, um, I rented Arachnophobia, brought it home. So we had... Um, my parents were not happy at all. Uh, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure it was like a PG or a 12 or something. Like, and uh, they were not happy that we brought home basically a horror film. Uh, and uh, anyway, we watched it. I don't really remember it now. It was a long time ago. It was like not far after it came out in 1990 that we watched the it. The only scene I remember from Arachnophobia is the shower scene where that girl is in the shower and then the spider is like crawling. Oh, 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 ew. yeah. <sighs> You know, I was just thinking with arachnophobia, like a lot of people hate spiders. Mm-hmm. You've already got a massive uphill battle already to get people into theaters. Yeah, they're going to have to make an extremely good remake, especially with like modern technology. Yeah, because that could be an incredibly horrible film to watch. Yeah, so I don't know what you know. They're gonna. I don't know what angle they want to go down, comical still or not. But they like, should do something totally different and make it like. <coughs> climate based and like all of these different species of spiders are converging on this one spot because of some kind of i don't know global frequency or whatever maybe it could be like they shouldn't get the spiders wet or like feed them after midnight wait a minute Um, this sounds (laughs) this sounds oddly (laughs) familiar (laughs) spider gremlins that's what they should do That's what they should do. Maybe that's what they should do. Like, you know how you had aliens versus predator? You could have a arachnophobia yeah. versus gremlins. I mean, you could, like, you pitting franchises against each other. Oh, man. Oh, you could do an arachnophobia, the thing crossover. Yeah. Well, there's so many That'd good ones cool. that they haven't done. Like, oh. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got aliens versus predator. You didn't they have, which Jason the first versus... AVP was really good. The second one, not so much. Yeah. What was it? Jason versus Freddy or something. Didn't they do that? Uh huh. Yeah, so they should definitely consider, to be honest, they should definitely do Gremlins versus something. I know I've gone really out of here now. Oh, maybe anyway, Gremlins versus Tremors. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. We should be put in charge of Hollywood. <laughs> um, some, some studio, please come and pay us money to be consultants. Yeah, we, we, we are available. <laughs> we know what people want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we know what we want. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, when I heard about Aliens vs. Predator, I was like, what on earth? And like, oh my God, first one, I was so first excited. One was so, first one was so good. Yeah. Second was... one was not good. No, second one was terrible. But I did like the one with uh, Adrian Brody. Well, that was Predators. It wasn't like Predators oh, Alien. I actually really like Predators. Yeah, predators. I like that one. Anyway, Arachnophobia remake sounds fairly unnecessary, but yep. mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm not at all. I'm I mean, intrigued. I'm not like no. terrified of spiders, but like, no thanks. No, no, I'm more intrigued to see what they're going to do with it because I, I think it's going to be a real hard sell to get people into the cinema to watch it when a lot of people hate spiders. Just It's, an, it's like, you know, like with, with, say, Scream, you know, mm-hmm. you don't come across serial killers on a daily basis. Well, I mean, unless you live in the US, but, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Jason and Freddy, they're not common. 
things. Yeah. You know, yeah. with Halloween, it's still not common. With you know, aliens and predators, not common. Yeah. Spiders is like something uh, people yeah. see on a daily, daily basis. Yep. And now, and you've already got people that have already got massive fears of spiders. Like years ago, in my old house, um, one of my neighbors um, was home on her own, like the daughter of um, uh, my neighbors. And the mum rang me up and said, can I go around next door and basically to get rid of a spider because their daughter was crapping themselves. So I had to go around <laughs> to my neighbor's house. And um, her daughter was like in a in her tw- early 20s. It wasn't like she was 12 year old. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to go around and help someone who was like, who was only like 10 years younger than me or something. Like I think I was like 30 or something. So I went around there like and had to kill a spider or get rid of a spider or whatever I did. I can't remember if I chucked it outside or whatever I did now. And uh, the next day they brought some beers for me. And I was like, no, seriously. I was like, you didn't want to, to buy beers for me to say thanks. Listen, anyway, it's look serious at, business, uh, man. But basically it's like a natural thing. And now you're making a modern, and with the CGI they have now. Oh, yeah. Just think how horrible this film is going to be. Yeah. Even if they make it. Well, comical. even if, the, uh, but this day and age, like with, with the animal trainers and wranglers that they have, they're going to use yeah. a shit ton of real spiders on that set too. Oh, this it sounds like well yeah it just sounds oh. yeah I'll be honest I'm 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 even I'm not too sure and I, I don't even I'm not even afraid of spiders now like, just imagine though you go and see arachnophobia in that 4D theater where like the seats oh, vibrate and the the wind like blows in your face and that kind of stuff like I would lose my mind <laughs> <coughs> anyway. We'll draw a line under our news and move on to our, our next part of our show where we kind of just get a little bit of what we've both been doing, what we've been watching, what we've been reading. And um, I've kind of uh, mainly been binge watching with my wife, FBI Most Wanted. Um, mm-hmm. I was really curious to get through season three of FBI Most Wanted. I had been saying to you, have been moving away from procedurals, but we both like the show. So we kind of been working, well, working our way through it. Mm-hmm. And I had heard that Julian... McMonahan, is that how you say his McMahon. name? McMahon. Yeah, had left the show um, towards the end of season three, which I thought was quite unusual for the lead of a show, especially quite early on in season three, you know, something mm-hmm. like season seven to have left. Um, so spoilers here, this obviously did come out, I want to say like two months ago, maybe this episode where he left. So he mm-hmm. left around episode 17. And so his character, Jess McCroy, actually is, does get killed off in episode mm. 17. And, and there's no way, there's no survival from this. And I think it was deliberate. They showed that he got sort of shot through the neck. Yeah. Uh, so they did like a camera overview and you could see the gunshot in the neck. And I was like, he's not getting out of that. Like, it's not even, uh, you know, we put him into witness protection. I mean, to be honest, he was shot by some low-level drug dealer. This, this is what I hated as well. He was the lead of a show, killed off by a... Uh, nobody villain of the week and yeah I but that thought, just tells you there was some bad shit going on behind the scenes well you think that's what it was like, has to be no no main character leaves with like you said being killed off by some shitty low-level character that you're never going to see again i just thought they should have done it in a much more i don't know like a bigger event like it should have been like you know like a crossover with the other fbi or mm-hmm. you know i felt i felt like it should have been a much bigger thing to have your your lead who runs the show killed off much more high profile so i mean apparently 
he came to them or something and said he wanted to go. I don't know. I don't know what it was like. Maybe he would have wanted more money, and they said no. <laughs> so, who knows? Like you say, who knows what it is? But yeah. the, the thing with the thing with TV, like a year, two years from now, we'll probably find out the truth. Like, cause oh yeah, people get a bit freer as they get further away from these things. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> Once they land a new project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but what I did like was so they didn't replace him straight away. They had two episodes where they kind of just had the team running themselves, and mm-hmm. you could tell that they needed a leader because there's a few squabbles in those two episodes. Um, and what I liked as well is Terry O'Quinn, who played um Jesse's father in the show, he was also in the following episode with um, so Jess's character had a partner with Sarah, and she they were in the following episode as well. So I liked the fact they did put a bit of a gap. I thought to myself, I bet you any money next episode the new person walks in. But actually, mm-hmm. I thought it was quite respectful to at least the audience and the characters that they didn't jump straight in to replace him with this new character called Remy Scott, who um <clears throat> I'll write it down here. Dylan McDermott. Do you know who Dylan McDermott is? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know what though? Although I really like the character of Jess McCroy this new Remy Scott the actor Dylan is so much stronger like he's a much stronger actor and I have to say I'm already preferring him uh, it's a shame how they wrote out Jesse's character I would rather he'd have left naturally yeah um like you know because he had his daughter leave a couple episodes earlier I would have liked it if Julian could have because she would stay in some sort of private school or something I would have liked it if he could have said oh look I want to leave the task force to I don't know concentrate on family or something like that mm-hmm. um but I guess the trouble with when they do things like that is the audience is wanting, is yep. going to constantly say, when are they coming back? When are exactly. They coming back? So I assume that there was a decision just to kill him off rather than. Yeah. When they kill characters off, it is usually because of bad blood in some aspect. Because if there was no bad blood, then they could have given them the happy fairy tale ending as a just in case, like, hey, maybe in our series finale, you'll come back and. You know, that's what I thought like up. you know you're you know normally they leave the door open like they did with um you know there's main CSI I forget what his name is the guy who... Gil Grissom yeah Gil Grissom like he used to always pop back mm-hmm. like even pop back in the remake for the first season mm-hmm. so I assume that the creators there had a much better relationship with him yeah so, anyway so FBI most wanted done that I won't say too much more about this, but I've been kind of working my way through the current, uh, the remade Gossip Girl TV series. I know everybody likes to diss me for watching uh, girly shows or teenage. This is definitely not like a teenage show, though. Like, oh, Mark. But, like, <coughs> I love the first Gossip Girl, mainly. And this is where I, I loved it for the mystery of who was Gossip Girl, along, uh-huh. along with a lot of the other mysteries. And the one thing I hate about this one is that we know who Gossip Girl is. And that I don't like. Yeah. I, um do you know who gossip girl is i couldn't care less no i have no idea who gossip girl is so this is where i think it's wrong on so many levels it's the it's a couple of the teachers at the school okay Uh, so basically what it was makes sense though so they decided in the first episode they were fed up of the the students running the school and basically Mm -hmm. like getting teachers fired and you know, basically because their kids have got money, they can just throw their weight around. So a couple of the um, teachers decided to get together and bring back Gossip Girl. Like one of them had heard about Gossip Girl from, you know, obviously it was, it's a it's a follow-on. It's set in the same mm-hmm. world as the previous one. So they brought back Gossip Gossip Girl was a blog previously in the, mm-hmm. when the CW had it. Now they brought it back as an Instagram account, which makes more sense because nobody does blogs anymore. <laughs> like, and um, so... 
yeah and that's the thing so the teachers kind of one particular teacher gets too involved in their lives even outside of the account like outside Mm. and so she she's becoming part of her own story which Mm -hmm. is not obviously you know what she wanted to do she kind of wanted it to keep the kids in line and now she's actually like feeling for the people that she's writing about you can imagine when this comes out you can't get attached that's the problem She's getting attached, and even, but even the other teachers who have kept separated keep saying to her, "You get too attached." Mm-hmm. So, so I've not finished. I've almost finished. I've got two episodes left. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't have the same excitement for it that I did about the first one. Mm-hmm. But all I would say is I love New York. So if it's in New York, pretty much I always give most stuff a chance. So because I, I love New York, like as we know, Jasmine. So, <laughs> um, I thought I would just mention one more thing. Something I read a couple of days ago. Uh, for people on YouTube, you can see the cover. It is the first issue of Immortal X-Men number one, uh, written by Kieran Gillian. This is brilliant. It's like the, the quiet count. I'd say I missed a lot of what's been going on with Jonathan Hickman and he relaunched the X-Men. I kind of missed a lot of that. <clears throat> um, I've got it in boxes in the garage. One day I'll read them, but I haven't had a chance. One but day. I I picked, yeah, one day, one day, that magical one day. Yeah. Um, but I did read this and I thought it was really good. Like, it's basically like the, it's like the political side of the X-Men. Um, like there's Magneto, there's Charles Xavier, mm-hmm. um, there's Mr. Sinister, um, Mystique, Destiny. It's all the sort of higher ups, like Sebastian Shaw, the White Queen, all the political, like the good guys and the bad guys um and their council and the political basically magneto lee leaves because he wants to go live on mars um and his seat has opened up and basically the whole episode the whole issue is them interviewing a candidate to fill the seat and then they, they choose somebody to fill that seat over somebody else and that other person is very upset at the end of it <laughs> And basically, they choose, they almost choose the wrong person because that person basically then decides to throw a massive mutant level. Yeah, but with a mutant level side effects of yeah, trying, yeah. To sh- trying to destroy the <clears throat> island that they live on um, because she didn't get chosen. Um, but I thought it was really well written. So I've read most of these. So they've launched a whole load of X-Men titles recently, like um, Knights of X, uh, Marauders, Legion of X, um, X-Men Red, and I would say X-Men Red, I was okay with. The rest of them, not so much. But this one is brilliant. I'm definitely going to stick with this. I might read one or two more issues of X-Men Red, but the rest of them I'm not going to bother with. Yeah. But yeah, I'd recommend this. So. Cool. Anyway, I will stop there and let you... <laughs> have you watched or read anything this week? Uh, no, it has been... Uh, it, well, it's it's been a weird week. Uh, but I did see Top Gun Maverick and I got to say, it was really good. It felt exactly like the first film, not in a bad way. Like it, it felt like those kinds of 80s action films that they don't really make anymore. Um, it was really cool. Obviously, uh, Tom Cruise has some kind of Scientology voodoo thing going on because he does not age. It is incredibly bizarre. I don't understand how that works. Um, huh? What'd you the say? Botox, Botox. <laughs> Whoever does his work is worth every penny because like it looks so natural. Anyway, he looks the same. It's super bizarre. There are a couple of other people in the film that uh, are also in the first film. Um, I thought the way that they handled working around 
uh, Val Kilmer and his health issues was really tastefully done. Um, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the banter. Of course, like it's always cool to watch people in like fighter jets doing fighter jet stuff. Um, the music was great. It's lots of callbacks to the original film, um, but this one still kind of had its own vibe. And I just like, it was literally just like fun. Like it was just fun to sit there in the theater and watch it. So I got a kick out of Top Gun Maverick. It was, it was well worth the two year wait. Oh yeah, because that was obviously delayed due to COVID. Um, yeah. 2019, yeah, that movie was supposed to come out. I think Tom Cruise will be very pleased by how much it's made as well. So. I don't doubt it because our oh. theater was full. Like, I'm pretty sure that theater was sold out. I really want to watch it. I haven't got around to watching it yet. I probably want to watch it for a couple of weeks, to be honest. But yeah, I think it's passed over 200 million just in America. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone, but I had some friends in town because it came out over Memorial Day weekend. So um, they were like, hey, you want to come hang out and watch a movie with us? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. So that's probably the only reason I got out to see it. I do want to go. My wife's not so bothered, but she did say she'll go if I want to go. But it's crazy to think that Top Gun came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise looks like he hasn't aged a day. He lo- Well, he looks maybe like, like five years older versus yeah. like you should look 30 years older. What the hell? <laughs> like, what was it? Oh, the girl who was in the original Top Gun. Oh my God, uh, I know, right? Like, Kelly and, and like, Gillis. Yeah. Like, or even just looking at like Val Kilmer now. It's like, how? How is all, how are all of your peers aging and you aren't? Something, I mean, with Val Kilmer, he, he, with Val Kilmer, obviously he's had a lot of health issues and yeah, yeah. Cancer, obviously he's lost his voice and stuff. It just must be horrific, like losing your voice. Like, yeah, but they um, played that up in the film, so um, they don't they don't like ignore it, and they don't. At first, I thought that they weren't going to actually have him in it uh, because a lot of the exchanges between Maverick and Ice are over text. Um, but eventually, he he is in the film. So, well, he, well, you actually see him in the film. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I, oh, okay. I didn't even think he was going to be in it at all. Yeah, well, so. Tom Cruise fought for it because originally the the director and the producers didn't want to, like, they didn't want to bother Val Kilmer is, is what their take was. Like, we don't want to mm. bother him because of all yeah, the stuff right. that he's going through. Yeah, and right. Tom was like, yeah, no, he's he's got to be in this movie. He's got to be. So he fought for it. You mean, you mean they didn't want the hassle of him being in it? So that's how that sounds to me. They didn't want to hassle themselves rather than <laughs> like... They, I assume they just thought, how are we going to put, what are we going to do? But I'm yeah. sure if the, if you wanted to, you'd do it. Like, so. Yeah, but like I said, I thought the way that they handled it was very tasteful. It was not just like, well, that was tacky to bring him in for that, and then that's yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. It's, again, I mean, very, very similar to the first film. It has a really nice, like, 80s action feel, but all mm. of the technology is obviously updated. Um, so what I also really liked is that there is like an enemy state in this film, but they never name a country. So I, oh, I like okay. that it's, we can tell like that, you know, the Americans are fighting against somebody, but we don't know who that somebody is. So mm-hmm. I appreciated that they didn't vilify, like, you know how like sometimes in Hollywood you get like, oh, it's Middle Eastern. So like, oh, we'll just say Iran. Like, you know, we're just, we're, we're going to cast a whole bunch of Middle Eastern actors and you all are just from some no-name Middle Eastern country and you are all the bad guys. All the brown people are the bad guys. So they didn't do that this time. This time there is an enemy, but we never ever see 
enemy faces or anything like that. We only ever see them like in their full fighter pilot gear, helmets on, masks down. So you don't really know who it is. I already want to watch this now. It's annoying. It's <laughs> uh, it does look good, but I want to rewatch the first time before I go. Like, well, yeah, duh. Did you rewatch it before you went? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like, like, uh, it's been a long time. I want to say it's probably at least 20, 25 years since I've seen it. So. Oh, man. My, one of my favorite things is uh, the theme from the original Highway oh, yeah. to the Dane. Like, oh, they, they opened the new film with that same song oh, and i was like yeah this is this is this is it all right i'm in yeah. i'm in for the long yeah. haul i like I, do you know what, though like i know it's the same i know it's another franchise with tom cruise with mission impossible but whenever that music kicks in i'm like oh yeah yes! like, yeah exactly uh, like i remember once going to see one of the mission impossibles and um, i think i went with my mom and dad and my sister and my sister was sitting next to me and i don't think she cares about mission impossible and the music kicked in and i was like yeah she's like you're such a loser no i mean stuff like that like sometimes the music is so iconic that you don't you can't pull the music and the film apart like with Mm. like with harry potter john williams's score for harry potter whenever that music drops it's all like oh yeah some magical shit's about to happen like it just puts you in the zone of whatever you're about to watch like that's how you know you've got a really really good score to back you up yeah, no, 100%. Um, okay, I think actually you've lined that up pretty well. So we should segue into our, what I call, well, I guess it's like the third part of the show, isn't it? You know, got news, what we've been watching, and now into our main review, our main Yeah, event. the meat and potatoes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, 2002. So, wow. wow. Um, <laughs> 2002, well, that is 20 years ago. Oh, um, man. So again, I didn't watch this when it came out in cinema. Uh, I didn't care. Lord of the Rings was on. That's all I cared about. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, directed by Chris Columbus, screenplay by Steve Kloves, obviously based on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Rowling? 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 Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> She's I, British. I figured you would have known how to pronounce that one. I'd say Rowling. So. That's what I say. Rowling. Yeah, yeah Rowling. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, I could do the first couple of lines here if you want to do the next part. Like, okay. Or the next couple. So Daniel Redcliffe is Harry Potter. Rupert Grint is Ron Weasley. Emma Watson is Hermione Granger. Richard Harris as Al- Albus Dumbledore. Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall. Uh, Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid. Fiona Shaw as Aunt Petunia. Uh, Dursley. Uh, Harry Meeling. Melling um, as Dudley. Dudley Dursley and do you want to take over? Yeah, Richard Griffith uh, comes back as Uncle Vernon. Tom Felton, Draco Malfoy, Alan Rickman as Professor Snape. Toby Jones, new one, uh, as the voice of Dobby the House Elf and Bonnie Wright as Jenny. Um, obviously, she is, obviously Bonnie Wright was in it previously, but just a tiny cameo. This time she actually does make yep. her way to Hogwarts as her first year. It's her first year. Oh, Jenny. Okay, Jenny. So with a budget of 100 million. Which is less than the first film. Yeah. The first film was 125. How much did it make, Jasmine? This one didn't hit the billion mark. This one stopped off at 879 million, which is nothing to turn your nose up at. That's a lot of damn money. So, I mean, I bet you any money Warner Brothers were over the moon that they turned 100 million into almost 900 million. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure I'm sure JK got a good chunk of the wedge. Well, doubtful. 
they they probably paid her before all of this stuff came out and then she gets a small percentage of royalties afterwards they paid her a big chunk up front for the rights to her books but i don't think she made as much on the films well you don't think so just the books uh i would think that's what i would think i don't know but anyway so summary of the plot i mean it's come on you gave us a two sentence uh oh. summary last week come on do it again oh, i know i know do i know. I didn't prep myself okay basically <laughs> year two it's like every year isn't it you get to school they come up from their summer holidays you know do, do you know one of the things i did have to say as we were watching as i was re-watching this was the dudley uh should, dudley family the dursley sorry should be seriously done for child neglect and just you name it like they why harry potter just hasn't called the local authorities on his so-called parents like <laughs> you know he he has locks like literally two or three padlocks on his door in the opening act he has bars put across his window basically he as every movie starts off with he is treated horribly by them mm-hmm. and then it's his dream to get to hogwarts where his sort of family and new friends are mm-hmm. what's brilliant is he um does head off and we don't get to see him by train we get to see him by flying car this time make his way to hogwarts mm-hmm. um as usual we get to go through the sort of the normal whole type food you know all the friends mix in we get mm-hmm. we get obviously um quidditch we get the mystery of the the movie but this one is like kids and animals petrified they're basically in some sort of suspended animation there's mm-hmm. links to the past as it always is and actually what i quite liked was there's links to actually when hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago all four mm-hmm. houses uh, i'd actually forgotten about that um so i quite liked how they jump in from not just talking about obviously um uh you know the um crap the guy shouldn't be named um oh voldemort yeah, yeah obviously they have voldemort tom ridley i was thinking oh, sorry um tom riddle well, tom riddle sorry tom riddle um and like but they also what i liked was how they talked about how hogwarts was founded by the four founding fa- um, who created the houses mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty cool so they obviously do that jumping in and out of the mystery of and the past um then you have the whole mystery of where is the chamber of secrets mm-hmm. who is a descendant of slytherin house um and then we sort of come towards an ending the climax of the battle scene harry kind of saves the day what i liked was actually that Ginny Weasley was involved in that sort of final battle mm-hmm. which was quite cool and then we sort of circle back round to everybody being happy happy families and i would imagine that they all go off to their own families again and then film three will start so yeah that's kind of really my summary of the movie like so uh not as concise as last week but you know i still give you an a and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) um so i would say like they're all very formula except for the last two yes i would agree with that um but i i i'll talk about that part later so got a few fun facts about harry potter 2 before we jump into everything uh, we were just talking about an arachnophobia remake. Well, it turns out that Rupert Grant is deathly afraid of spiders. And if you have not seen the second Harry Potter film, there are spiders, like gigantic gargantuan spiders in this film. Um, and in the scene where Harry and Ron are in the in Aragog's lair, uh, Ron or Rupert Grant has actually never gone back and watched the second film because he does not want to watch what all of the actual cgi spiders look like in the final cut 
because he's so terrified of spiders. So they basically said that the way that Ron is so uncomfortable in that entire sequence was actually just Rupert being uncomfortable being surrounded by spiders. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Which I guess that has to suck as like a kid. You're like a 13-year-old kid and you're like, this is probably my second acting job ever and they put me in the middle of the thing that I am most terrified of. Like, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can't imagine that. Like, especially that it's a big ass spider. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those Aragog doesn't really do much moving, but um, so they had built a big animatronic Aragog. Uh, so he actually was not CGI. He was he was a thing that they could interact with. But all of the other spiders, all of the smaller big spiders, were all CGI. Um, also, we were talking about people getting paid. And uh, trying to make sure that they get that cheddar when they take on film roles. Daniel Radcliffe, the face of the Harry Potter franchise, was only offered £125,000 to come back for the second film. And thankfully, his agent was like, you got me fucked up if you think that your $1 billion film franchise is going to pay my actor $125,000. So... Um, his agent stepped in and renegotiated and he ended up making 2 million pounds, which is a oh. huge come up from 125,000. So he was paid 2 million pounds for the second film. Crazy. So the moral of that story is uh, make sure you always have somebody that is on your side fighting for your money. Okay. Cause wow. Can you imagine like, <laughs> that's a big jump, 125,000 up to 2 million. Oh. I, I just read here you you um because you you wrote these down, um, Draco Draco Malfoy when he says to Harry, um, I didn't know you could read was actually just improvised because Tom Felton uh, Felton yeah. forgot his line. Yeah. Um, I thought that's pretty good actually. Like that they kept that in. I'd yeah. love to know what his original line was. Oh yeah, I don't know what the original line was. Um, but that's it was that's funny to me because the I didn't know you could read is one of my favorite lines from this film. And it turns out it was improvised. But that is one thing that me and my friends still say to each other to this day. Like if someone mentions, anytime that they mention something about reading, one of mm. us is definitely going to chime in with, I didn't know you could read. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. One thing I didn't write down, but some other improvised lines, the scene in Diagon Alley where Lucius confronts the Weasleys and Harry, when Lucius says, well, let us hope that we always have Harry Potter around to save the day. And Daniel Radcliffe replies with, uh, don't worry, I will be. Both of those lines were improvised. Jason Isaacs improvised his line and Daniel Radcliffe improvised his retort back to him. So I thought that was, that's pretty impressive for you as a kid to go toe to toe improvising with Jason Isaacs. Like, all right, all right, Daniel Radcliffe, I see you. Have you seen that? That talk show, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel, where Daniel Radcliffe does um, like rapping, but he does it in order of the alphabet. No. <laughs> oh, you should Google it. Seriously, like Daniel Radcliffe, like rapping, um, like alphabet aerobics or something. What do they call it? Like alphabet. Seriously, it's hilarious. Like he actually <laughs> raps from A to Z. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alphabet aerobics, yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Daniel, okay, I'll uh, check on, it out. on Jimmy Fallon, it's absolutely brilliant. So I know it's got nothing to do with this movie, um, but seriously, <laughs> like, look it up. So 
Um, I was going to say, do you want to jump into our thoughts of Harry Potter 2 or do you want to go through more of your facts? Um, just one more. So, okay. which, which is something that I noticed this time around. I don't think I noticed what Lucia said the first few times I watched this film, but at the very end, when um, everything has been resolved and Harry gives, or Harry ends up tricking Lucius into freeing Dobby. Uh, yeah. Um, before he, he gets really upset. Lucius gets really upset and he pulls out his wand to attack Harry. And you can hear him say Avada, which of course, if you have done the whole series, you know that the one of the three unthinkable curses of Avada Kedavra is the instant death curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> what I thought was really funny is Jason Isaac said while he was filming this movie, he was reading the fourth book. And the fourth book is when we are first introduced to the killing curse. And he said, there was no script. There was no lines that he was supposed to say when he pulled his wand out on Harry um and so he was like I mean Avada Kedavra was the only curse I could think of in that moment because when I was watching the movie this time I was like surely surely Lucius is not going to stand here and literally kill this kid in the halls of Hogwarts like I know that's not what's about to happen um and of course Dobby saves the day but still like the fact that Lucius pulled out the killing curse I was like hold on man like for real but just you just left Dumbledore's office. Like you are literally at the staircase to Dumbledore's office and you about to kill a kid in Hogwarts. I don't know about I mean, that, Lucius. I imagine that's, that would have gone That's down messed up even for you, man. Well, I think I don't think they would have uh, liked that too much. If, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'd have done that. So, but yeah, um, I was going to say, it was pretty, it's pretty cool. Like just um, Lucius. I love, I love Lucius. Like, yeah. I love Jason um, Isaacs. He's so good and everything. My favorite Jason Isaacs film is Event Horizon best horror film ever he um was brilliant in star trek discovery yes yes he was so good i loved 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 the first season the first two seasons of J- uh, star trek discovery were absolutely brilliant season three however <laughs> leave something to be desired oh it's terrible now that's oh, another conversation for another day oh no no but jason isaac in season one was so good like <laughs> and that and for those who've not watched star trek discovery that twist was so good yeah he pulled it off so well yeah anyway thoughts on uh, film two i was gonna say episode two film two for me i would say i preferred film one over film two Mm -hmm. uh there was parts of film two i liked um but i would say it kind of felt like filler it felt like buddy cop between ron and harry buddy cop (laughs) Like it did, like, but as I was watching it, I because I I forgot it's been so long since I watched it. I was like, Hermione was hardly in this. I was like, again, I was like, the lead girl gets like twenty five percent of the movie, where like, you know, even the other females in there, like um, McGonagall, hardly in there. Like, it felt very much like a a male driven movie again. Mm -hmm. And um. Just yeah, like Ron and Ron and um, Harry, it was very much a buddy buddy movie. Like, and I as I was watching, I was just feels like a buddy cop thing. Just yeah. like that, and like because it's obviously they've got humor between them, especially like from Ron. I don't know. I just was a bit. How have I forgotten how little the female presence was in this movie? Yeah, um, I you know I didn't even notice that. Like I didn't I didn't even notice that this time around. 
Right, yeah, no, I did. No, I thought I thought it's a shame that Hermione is the lead female and she's got hardly any presence in this film. Yeah. So, I mean, she still kind of saves the day, even though she's oh, yeah, not around. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So um, I would say um, this film is darker than I remember. I yeah. it's been a while. I mean, I've seen the second film more than once, but it's been a while since the last time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, uh, like, I, I guess I didn't remember that the series gets so dark so quickly. I thought that everything didn't get dark until the third film. I mean, I think the third, third film definitely takes a much darker leap, um, but this film is darker than I remember. And I think I actually kind of enjoyed it a lot more this time around than I ever have before. Um, so, cause I enjoy the, uh, I thought that they actually did flashbacks pretty well. It was interesting to get to know Tom Riddle. Um, that really comes into play in movies seven and eight. Uh, but that's definitely long game. Um, it was interesting to go back. It was interesting to me the way that they had actual death in this movie with uh, Moaning Myrtle. Like we see her as a ghost in the present day, but like we go back in time in the flashbacks and we see her actually as a like dead student. Um so I thought it was interesting that they took it to that level of dark. But I also like that we got a much more emotional, uh, just like the emotions seem to be running a bit higher for all the kids in, in this one. Um, yeah, there was still a lot of humor, but it was very much kind of, you're watching them as they start to understand like, oh, shit's getting real. Um, <laughs> so it was really it was really kind of fun to, Watch them from the first film where they still kind of have like these wide googly eyes, like, oh my God, I'm at Hogwarts and this is amazing and I get to do magic and yada, yada, yada. Like they still have that very innocent vibe in the first film. But by the second film, it's very much like, okay, the honeymoon period is already over. Like now we got to get down to business. Now shit gets real. Um, so I really kind of just appreciated that they basically just put their heads down and, and did the work um, in the second film. So the second film is very much like a, I would say like a commuter film, like it gets you from point A to point B. Um, it not, it's not like this spectacular epiphany kind of film, but mm-hmm. it's more like a, a utility film. Like it, it does a really good job of wrapping up the story that we got in the first film, giving you a whole new story with new background information that you're going to carry with you into the rest of the series. It felt to me like, um, like a bridging film, like a, yeah. like a fit, like, yeah, that's kind of, definitely what I'd say it's not my one of my favorites um yeah it, before it used to be my least favorite of all eight films mm-hmm. um I mean that may still be the case uh but I enjoyed it more than I remember enjoying it is yeah. what I'll say yeah um okay so <clears throat> Do you have a favorite character? From Certainly not your favorite character. I just now read oh. what you said. Good God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So in, uh, in the second film, my favorite character is Ron. Uh, oh. I just enjoyed Ron so much in the second film. The poor kid and like just everything kept happening to him. It was like a pile on for Ron. It's like you steal your parents' car, you get caught. Now you got the muggles that see flying cars and everybody knows that you messed up. You get the howler, you get really embarrassed. You got to go deal with spiders, even though you're terrified of spiders. Like I just, I just really enjoyed Ron 
in in the second film. So he was definitely Ron, my favorite in this film. I think Ron definitely had a big presence <clears throat> in this movie. And yeah, like you say, a lot happened to him. Uh, the Howler was a great scene. Um, <laughs> him rescuing Harry in the car, in the flying car of his brothers was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he did go through quite a transition. Even the, the part where him and Hermione get reunited at the end was quite awkward. Yeah. Obviously, that's J.K. Rowling setting up <clears throat> sort of the tension between the two of them. Ah, that um, was not the case. That, was that scene was because uh, Emma Watson uh, was embarrassed and she was too shy to hug both Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grant. And so because she was so awkward with it, they left it in the film. But that was completely unintentional. But of course, like it, it played really well because everybody reads it exactly the way you did, where they read it like, oh, I can see like you guys. We could, we, I could see how you guys end up together by the end of this whole series, but like oh, that so was completely that, incidental. So she just felt weird, like hugging two guys. Is that what it was? Yeah, so. in front of everyone. So she oh, said she okay. was super nervous in the great hall with all of the cast out there. And so, like, originally, like she kept, she would hug Harry, but it was basically the hug was too fast. And mm. so she kept it, it, the whole sequence was awkward to film. And so they finally just like left it to where she would hug Harry. And then when it came time to hug Ron, she was just kind of like, eh, let's just shake hands. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I, I sort of, I read it in two ways. Like I read it that she likes Harry more, but equally that she does like Ron. You can mm-hmm. take that scene in two different ways. Yeah. Like, cause uh, I don't know. I've got more thoughts on the dynamic, but. I, I oh, there's plenty to talk about with their dynamic come uh, the first the tor- of the Towards, the, end. towards yeah. yeah, towards the end. I have views on the three of them. So, uh, anyway, my favorite character was Dobby, the house elf. Gross. Like, like he is a great, funny character. Like, humorous, Dobby. humorous character. Like, I love it at the beginning when he comes in, jumping on the bed. I love his, like, m- how mischievous he is when he's, like, trying to, basically, he does everything to try and help save Harry. When he gets the uh, magic, uh, the cake and magic sit over the, <coughs> the, the guest of, um, Harry's uncle and mm-hmm. like I just I love how mischievous he is and uh, but I just love at the end how grateful he is as well like master presented me with a sock master's <laughs> presented me with clothing Dobby now free yeah. like and all this like I just love how his excitement that he's just given a sock I yeah. was just like I was like how can you imagine just giving not even just not two socks like one just singular sock, sock like, yeah and, uh, and I just love how he steps in to like protect Harry. Like, just you will not attack Harry Potter. Like, yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I love him. I think he's cute. I think he's mischievous. Like, they should so do an animated spin-off just with Dobby. Like, uh, they can't though. So well, no, you know. no prequel, prequel, <laughs> okay. or something. You know, they, they all love prequels. Like, no, I yeah. know what happens later on. But like, <laughs> um, but they should do. You know how they do those like animated shorts. Yeah. You know, like like four minute shorts. You know, they should release like a couple of these four minute shorts on HBO Max or something like that with Dobby or something like that. Like, I hated Dobby so much. I really oh, did. I hated Dobby. I hated Dobby up until his last breath. Like that. I hated him all the way until like <coughs> the end. Oh, it's magic. They can bring him back. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, last, last time, magical item. Did your favorite magical item? I, I did. You go first, because I didn't pick one for this one, but I'm going to think about it. Okay, okay. So I was thinking about it. Oh, I got mine. Okay, yeah. Although the hat does make a reappearance, this, yes. uh, this film does top 
this uh, item does top it for me the invisibility cloak I was oh like, yeah how cool how cool would that be yeah like the invisibility cloak i, I would yeah. love the invisibility cloak i don't know what i would do with it in the real oh world. man i would do exactly what harry does i'd be a fly mm. on the wall at all these meetings and all kinds of stuff i would be oh. everywhere with that damn invisibility cloak yeah no i would love i would love that invisibility cloak it would be amazing so um i don't know if there's a way of going somewhere you can find out like tips on horses or something like that like, like, <laughs> like obviously you can't get lottery numbers but like maybe you could get, go into some bookie's house and like find out what the best horses are for a race or something like that i so, mean yeah. maybe hey yeah. you never know what's your favorite magical item <laughs> oh the map, the map. i oh, yeah, solemnly yeah, yeah. swear that i am up to no good yes the map. Uh, yeah no i love the map too so. yeah in this uh, film yeah i said what did i say in the first film i said it was the moving pictures on the papers Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this film, I'm gonna go with. uh, I'm going with the map. map. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about your thoughts then on this? Oh wait, no. The map is not until the third film. The map's not until the third film. Okay, so. Oh, you confused me. Favorite magical item in this film. Favorite magical item in this film. Let me see. I did think to myself that map isn't in this film, but I thought, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, well, I watched them back to back, so that's probably why. Um. Ooh, favorite magical item in the second film. In that case, I'm going to have to go with the car. Oh, yeah, the car. Because I never understood the car. It's like the the car lets you drive it, but also the car has a personality. (laughs) Like the car is schizophrenic. I don't, it's weird. The car car I did love. Because I started to question again, like, how do they make these magical items? Or is it real? Like, or is yeah. it actually like a car built by humans and they put magic on it? Like, or is there somewhere that actually makes magical items? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, is there magical engineers? Like, do they have magical <laughs> car showrooms? Like, where, what happens? Like, maybe it is like they enchant the car. Like, they buy muggle cars and then they enchant the them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can't imagine there's like a high demand for actually pre-built magical cars yeah i don't think so either so but anyway um yes so your the your thoughts on the structure of the movie sort of you know the writing and the world building and that kind of thing like what are your thoughts um i thought this one did a good job of expanding everything that they laid out in the first film so we get to see a bit more they you know they talk about the forbidden woods Mm -hmm. in the first one but we actually go into the woods this time um and it's just more of they talked about these things in the first film and now we're actually seeing them in the second film. So it's like the, the payoff is happening at a good clip throughout the second film. Um, but there's still so much new stuff that's introduced and it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, I don't think that there's ever a point where I felt like they were moving too quickly with the information that they were giving us or the situations that they were putting the kids in. Um, so I thought that structure wise, it, it flows at a really good clip. Uh, this is the longest of all of the films, even though this is the shortest of all of the books. Um, so I think that they probably did that on purpose to kind of solidify the foundation that they put up in the first film. Um, so we get to see more of Hogwarts. We get to see them exploring the castle a bit more. We get to see, obviously, the Chamber of Secrets. Um, but we also get to see outside stuff. We go to the Forbidden Forest and um we obviously we learn a lot more about the wampum willow um so we're continuously learning more and more about some of the things that have been mentioned before 
Um, and as far as like the writing, I think it it is elevated from the first film. The first film definitely feels very juvenile, not in a bad way, but it definitely feels very geared towards children. This yeah. film definitely feels like a step up. Like this is a level up film. Um, and it feels like they made that transition very well from innocent bright eyed kids to now we're in the thick of it kind of kids. Um, so I, I thought that the, yeah, I, I thought it transitioned well. And I mean, they tamed a lot of stuff down. Ron feels a lot less um, like snarky and stupid in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets into a lot of trouble and he has a lot of comic relief, but like he doesn't feel as annoying as he felt in the first film. They tamp down Hermione's like uh, know-it-allness a bit in this film. So she feels more aligned with Harry and Ron. So they feel like one like actual friend group versus like two guys that kind of pick on her sometimes. Um, So I think that they did uh, a better job of like making everything a bit more cohesive. Uh, I think they did take some of the, some of the stuff that was a little iffy or wonky about the first film and they kind of cleaned it up a bit. Um, so overall, I think it I think it flows pretty well. I think they did a good job with keeping to what they had already laid out and then kind of expanding on that world for this film. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think they've done well in terms of, they sort of replicated it, like the formula, you know, they've got mm-hmm. the home environment with Harry. What I did like though this time around was that they introduced the Weasleys family mm-hmm. um, that we got to deviate away from um just the Dursleys just just the Dursleys so yeah. I like the fact that we got a bit of the Weasleys this time around I like the fact that we did go back to Diagon Alley which is mm-hmm. again formula um I, I love the fact that again then we go to the school but I love that they did take a different thing straight away they broke away from formula by having Harry and Ron fly there by a car like you said mm-hmm. how great and funny was that um and so we got to miss the train so I do miss the train I like the train going to school thing i do love that yeah. we have that um but it was quite nice that they sort of spiced it up in this book um yeah. book slash film um <clears throat> and then obviously then once we get there it's the normal formula type stuff the quidditch the mystery mm-hmm. um but i love how they interlace this movie with subplots again like neville and you know quidditch again is sort of interlaced you know we've got the new teacher you know the defense against the dark arts and how he's quite i forget his name pompous and actually gilderoy lockhart yeah yeah so yeah he's a complete and utter fraud yeah. i mean it's a complete fraud just just by even talking to him you can see he's a fraud like mm-hmm. <clears throat> but i love actually finally we get out of him the truth that he just basically steals everyone else's adventures yeah and, and then wipes their memories most their memories so yeah. actually he's not a nice guy at all like, yeah and uh, but what i thought was because i couldn't remember quite how the film went to be honest so i thought this it's clear it's too obvious to make the new teacher the villain of the movie yeah but actually so we've got that whole subplot running as well like his his journey actually was he's quite pompous yeah. selfish guy and then it turns out actually he is a pompous selfish guy and actually yeah. he's just not a bad guy well he is a bad guy but a bad guy in a different way like yeah. he's not the, he's not the villain but he is a you know he is a villain of sorts because yeah. he's wiping people's memories that's not a good thing yeah like, and taking their know, stories and making money off of story, it make, he's making making money off of other wizards stories yeah. so so i love it you've got all these interlacing things and they all come together at the end um mm-hmm. as harry defeats tom riddle and Again, we've got Voldemort as the villain of the movie. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and basically, and then it ends quite nicely with Hermione coming into the hall and everyone's all happy. And yeah. They basically structure it all quite well. They have tiny subplots that go in and out. It's yeah. kind of almost like um, 
like sort of um like a dance you know like you sort of move around like mm-hmm. it's done quite well like nothing feels like it's too much of one story over another yeah. and it's just sort of weaved together quite well like the structure of it's quite well although I there's something about this movie that doesn't make me enjoy it as much as the first one it does feel like a, a filler sort of bridge film but like I still think it was an enjoyable movie just not my favorite of, of yeah. what we've watched so far so. yeah I think it's hard for this one to be a favorite because it's not it nothing that great happens like yeah it's not boring by any means but it's not you know again there's no like epiphanies there's no breakthroughs it's just Mm -hmm. kind of you actually get to see them putting things into action finally um so yeah i mean filler but not necessarily like we could have done without it i don't think you could skip this film um but it's definitely not going to be the exciting driving things forward introducing crazy new things kind of kind of i definitely don't think you can skip it because i also like how they um Dumbledore says to Harry at the end how when he killed Harry's parents some of his powers went into Harry mm-hmm. we later on find out that it's not just some of his powers that went into Harry we find right. out more about that event later so there's right. obviously obviously there's an importance to this book and this yeah. film um, but it's not on the surface as important you don't realize how important it is and obviously that Harry can speak parcel tongue and speak, yep. speak to the snakes again we'll see how important that is later on so there's a lot of setup in this movie mm-hmm. that is taken later on so you definitely can't skip this movie oh I yeah just don't think it, I mean you could probably skip it no like, I mean but, but you miss like, out on so much context later if you skip this yeah. film because like even even the small details like when they get off the train and they get on those carriages in the, yeah. in this film you get to see a clear picture of the carriages don't have anything pulling them yeah but when you get to the fifth film and you see what is actually pulling these carriages it takes you all the way back to the second film because you're like oh my god like this that is some serious detailing that they have put as like just kind of little nuggets that they're dropping along the way but a lot of the stuff that they put into this film is all going to come back into play at some point in the rest of the series yeah yeah no definitely um is there anything you would have cut or changed in this film? Cut or changed? Um, I mean, I guess I can't cut out Dobby. <laughs> but, um, Even he has an importance in it. Yeah, movie. yeah, he does. He does. Um, I think... I, it, I, I don't really have an answer as to how I would have done it differently, but like, I feel like they could have done some reworking with the way they did Tom Riddle Mm. Um, because he he's a memory yeah but so at the at the very end sequence in the chamber of secrets it's like okay he's a memory like why why do we even need to like why are you scared of him like he he's not technically real yet Mm. um so I just kind of and again I have no idea how I would have done it but like I it for him to be as menacing as he is, because I think that the actor who played him did have like this menacing appearance, but it's like you're a memory, like you're not even real and you you don't have all of your powers yet. So I don't know why he had as much sway as he did. Yeah. I, so that's that's the part that confuses yeah. me. Yeah. What's the threat of a memory? Right, exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, obviously, Harry figures that out and finds a way to you know get rid of the memory but at mm. the same time it's like but well, why we got to jump through all these damn hoops for like a memory yeah. in the first place you know 
It's just an, it's just another clever way of having Voldemort as the yeah. villain, but still not meeting Voldemort yet. Yeah. So also, I was Voldemort... very confused as to how it's a memory. So you are set in your time from fifty years ago. How on earth do you even have any context as to who Harry Potter is? Mm. That really confused it's, me. It's probably something that. Well, you read the books, though, didn't you? I haven't read. I the don't books. remember though. Okay. Um, I know, but I, I maybe I was gonna say maybe the books give some more clarity, but no, I know what you maybe. mean though with the film. I mean, it's unless not, he pulled that stuff out of clear. Jenny's memories, then um, if if that's the case, that doesn't really come across very clearly in the film. But that confused me. Like this time watching it, um, I was just like, "How do you know who Harry Potter is? You're a memory. Like you are a piece of Voldemort, but you're a piece of Voldemort from 50 years ago, before probably before like Harry Potter's parents were even born. Like, yeah." The thing I probably would change in this film is I think Ginny and Hermione should have been given more presence and screen time, especially with Ginny as she was so vital towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, she we sort of got, I don't know, one or two tiny scenes at the beginning and then suddenly she's at the end. Like, I just, for me, there should have been a little bit more from her. Um, mm-hmm. Again, maybe she's given that in the books, I don't know, but I would like to have seen a bit more presence from Bonnie Wright in this movie to make it yeah. feel more vital at the end yeah i think they tried to keep it such a big secret as to who was writing all of these messages um but i think it kind of was to jenny's detriment because it would have been really cool if they had a sequence where we see her get possessed by tom riddle and actually go and write instead of just seeing like little snippets of that but actually like an entire like five minute scene of her being possessed by him to go and do these these things like I i'm think sure in, I'm cool. just, you know i was thinking i'm sure like in 30 years time when they remake these films like <laughs> but they will 30 years that's they? generous <laughs> like i don't know I can't in seven years yeah, yeah maybe maybe <laughs> seven or eight years they remake these films like yeah. they would definitely change up some of that stuff because a lot more modern times now you know they they are recognizing hopefully that women actually do have an importance in movies and television like yeah. you know they've been so afraid for years to even do like a black widow movie and actually mm-hmm. it was a really good film um it's just unfortunate when they got released so i'm hoping that they do rejig some of this so um anyway let's move on to ratings so out of 10 um i would probably give it a six okay all right out of 10 um i'm i'm going six as well i gave the okay. first film a six i'm gonna give this one a six yeah i'm gonna give this a six so yeah. um yeah i think there's there was probably some room for improvement here but. yeah room for improvement but it still did a good job of setting the tone but again if i, I i'm rating it compared to the rest of the series and again i know the series only goes up from here so Okay, so next episode, we'll be continuing our run towards our epic 100th episode. As we count down to that milestone, we'll be reviewing the rest of the Harry Potters. And next week, we'll be reviewing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That one's my favorite. (laughs) Uh, You can follow us on social media. We're Geeks and Niche, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And have a good journey and have a good week. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.